Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast on this Thursday, May 11th, 2017 here on com. I am your host, Brian Sinek. With me over the phone is the co-host, Ryan Mortarow. Ryan, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? Doing pretty good myself. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. A little bit late to the party, but guess, guys, we are live here on itsyourradio.com. Jam-packed episode for the Royal Ramble a lot going on in the world of, in the world of professional wrestling. Excuse me. Of course, we got to give you guys our weekly recap of both Raw, SmackDown Live, and NXT. Of course, SmackDown is focusing on Backlash, which will happen next weekend. NXT is well happening next weekend with TakeOver Chicago. Raw, on the other hand, has some issues to take care of. Some certain superstars are on the injury disabled list. we got to get into our thoughts about what's going on with Raw's direction. Also about the current situation with the Universal Championship once again still not being shown on Monday Night Raw. But there's a lot of stuff also going on this weekend in professional wrestling. Of course, tomorrow night, myself and Ryan, the the Royal Ramble boys, will be in the house at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City for Ring of Honor's War of the Worlds Tour. Now, this will be the third part of this tour. The first two parts, of course, has started on Sunday night with uh, the show in Toronto, Canada, where Kenny Omega, of course, made his return to Ring of Honor in six-man tag team action. That will be the only appearance that Omega will make during this tour. So for you fans that were looking forward to seeing Kenny tomorrow night, hate to break it to you, he will not be at the show. And, of course, uh, last night, Ring of Honor had their second part of the War of the Worlds tour within Dearborn, Michigan. And tomorrow night, it concludes in New York City, live on pay-per-view, War of the Worlds. Some great matches going on. Every single belt is on the line tomorrow night. So, should be a fun show. We're going to give our predictions for that uh, pay-per-view card a little bit later in the show. Also, we're going to give our thoughts and predictions on the upcoming Best of the Super Juniors Tournament, which will take place, I believe, next week. Of course, they announced the participants in the tournament. So myself and Ryan will give our predictions on who we think will be a part of that, ter- uh, who will win, excuse me, uh, in that tournament. Also, for your, hard- for your hardcore independent wrestling fans, tomorrow is CZW. Big show going on tomorrow called Sacrifices. Some big matches going on. Leo Rush versus Joe Gacy for the CZW World Championship. David Starr versus Zack Sabre Jr. Joey Janela versus Matt Tremont. Some big matches going on tomorrow. We'll give a little bit of thought on that as uh, Leo Rush. Um, for you guys want to listen to a big interview, our good friends at the Sunday Shoot. Shout out to those three guys. John, Anthony, Howard. They were able to land an interview um, with Leo Rush, will be which will be broadcasted uh, this weekend. You can follow those guys, of course, on Twitter at on Twitter at TSS Wrestling, Instagram TSS Wrestling, Facebook.com slash TSS Wrestling. Also subscribe to their show on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, 
that's the Sunday Shoe Podcast. Just throwing that out there for the good friends of the Sunday Shoe who will also be in attendance uh, for tomorrow night's uh, War of the World Show. Uh, War of the World Show. And again, guys, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Royal Ramble Wrestling, and you can also follow us on the Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you happen to miss us live here on itsyourradio.com, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes and Stitcher. Our shows usually go up on those two on those two websites the day after. So again, guys, please hit the subscribe button. So let's get right into it, Ryan. We'll start with some Raw talk and some news going on with one certain Raw superstar and in terms of injury and health, and that is Braun Strowman. Uh, Braun Strowman, sad news for him and for the fans of Braun Strowman like myself. He will be missing about one to two months of action because of a bad arm injury. I'm not sure if it's a shoulder or elbow injury. I'm not sure what specific part of the arm that Braun Strowman hurt. But yes, he will miss one to two months out of action because of this injury, which he suffered in the little match, the little brawl he had uh, with Roman Reigns at the payback pay-per-view. So definitely unfortunate news because, let's be honest, I mean, you know, the best act going on as of late for Raw has been Braun Strowman. There is no argument for that. Braun Strowman has been the hottest top wrestler, top performer on the Raw brand for now a couple of months. All right, every single week, this guy's doing something big. Whether it's you know hurting somebody, making an impact, you know whether it's him suplexing Big Show off the top rope, breaking the ring, till the whole beatdown he gave Roman Reigns at the Nassau Coliseum, till throwing Kalisto off of a stage while Kalisto was locked in the, uh, the dumpster. Every single week, Braun is doing something big, and now he's going to be off television for about two months, and that's a shame because you know this guy was on a roll right now. He's in the middle of a big feud with Roman Reigns, which was going to end at the next upcoming pay-per-view for Raw, which is Extreme Rules. That's not going to happen now, as of course this past Monday they wrote off Braun off television as him and Roman had that brawl. Roman attacked the injury, so I guess that was a good way to write off Braun Strowman, and he's going to come back for vengeance against Roman Reigns. But still, at the same time, it's a shame that he's going to be off television because again, he was one of the more interesting pieces to Raw every single week. You know, some people tune into Raw to say, "Holy crap, what's Braun going to do next? What big?" Thing is he gonna do next and every single week this guy did this guy did something big and now that he's gonna be out of action for one to two months it absolutely sucks because again he's in the middle of a very big feud with Roman Reigns which has gone on very very well in terms of the storyline uh just the back and forth between these two guys and Braun basically getting the upper hand like he should because this guy deserves the opportunity and it was going to lead into a big match with Brock Lesnar at the other Raw pay-per-view which will happen I believe in a month or two months, and that's the, the Great Balls of Five pay-per-view, uh, where Brock was going to defend the belt against Braun Strowman. That's not going to happen now, so Vince is going to have to come up with an idea, and a new opponent for Brock Lesnar. The two names that have been thrown out already have been Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, so expect to see one of those two guys get the opportunity. And we're also hearing rumors now about what's Roman Reigns going to do with Braun out. There's a couple of things point, coming out where he's going to feud with Bray Wyatt again, or he's going to feud with The Miz. In the very end, it doesn't matter who Roman feuds with. It still sucks that this guy was in the middle of a big feud with Braun Strowman. It was going very well. And now those future plans got derailed. And now Roman has to focus on somebody else. Again, him versus Bray Wyatt. They had good chemistry. But am I 
all that interested, not really. I'm more interested in seeing Bray versus Finn. It should not be Bray versus Roman. Miz versus Roman should be solid, but it's not going to be a long enough program because when Braun does come back, he's going to be going after Roman Reigns. I would like to see a Miz-Roman feud go on for a couple of months, so I'm not all that interested either. And, of course, Miz is focusing on Dean Ambrose as he has that title match next week. So it's a big blow to the Raw to the Raw roster, to the Raw show, because Braun Strowman has been a big part of Raw and its recent success. A little bit of success, not that much success, but Raw's shows have been a little bit better week by week. Uh, this past Monday, can't say the same for different reasons, but not having Braun on the show is going to really hurt viewership, I think. And it's going to hurt the way Raw books their shows for the next coming months until Braun Strowman comes back comes back from this injury. Yeah, I mean, it could happen at any worse time, like you said. I mean, what what terrible luck, uh, you know, for him to go out right now, like you said, when he's by far the hottest thing on Raw and in the WWE. I mean, really, he is the hottest guy at the moment. And, of course, now this injury is going to slow down a little bit of that momentum that he had, and it's going to hurt him. It really is. Um, you know, I do think when he comes back, he's still going to be jumping right into a, a top spot because, you know, they're going to just pick up right where they left off. But, uh, you know, like you said, it sucks. He was in line to face Brock Lesnar for the Universal title, and that doesn't look like it's going to happen right away. But, uh, you know, I think it'll happen maybe somewhere down the line, but not when they wanted it to happen. So somebody's got to, you know, leapfrog him and get that spot now. I think it's going to be Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, say that you know, he might feud with the Miz, he might feud with Bray Wyatt, but I mean, I just don't see how they don't put Roman Reigns in this spot. Uh, you know, to face Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire for the Universal Title. I just feel like it's coming. A lot of people are going to be pissed about that, but I think it could be a good thing because I don't think Roman's going to win. Uh, and I think this sets up the SummerSlam main event of Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar. I mean, maybe it'll work out in Braun's favor that he gets this big time match at SummerSlam instead of the Great Balls of Fire event. So, you know, if you could take away a positive, maybe that's one. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, I mean, just terrible timing. Like you said, he's in a big-time feud right now. I would like to see him close out this feud with Roman Reigns uh, at Extreme Rules, but that's not going to happen now. Uh, he was written off the television, like you said. But, man, what a huge blow uh, to the Raw roster and to WWE as a whole because now their plans have to change uh, and again, it's just a shame how this always seems to happen. You know, this is not the first time we've seen this happen. This happened with Finn Balor. When he wins the title, he gets hurt. Next day, at relinquish that, he's out. Revival debuted on Raw. Up, there goes an injury. They're out. You know, again, it's the same recurring theme, it seems like. Every time somebody's hot at the moment, it always seems like there's an injury that's going to derail them and stop their momentum. So it really sucks to see. I mean, I hope he comes back stronger than ever. Hope he gets that top spot again in that big-time match with Brock Lesnar. Like I said, I could see that happening at SummerSlam. We'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, huge blow uh, not being able to see Braun on Raw uh, for the next coming weeks and possibly months. And, and you know how I feel about this whole situation when it comes to the Universal Championship. I mean, a big reason why Raw, as of late, has not been that great is because they didn't have their champion, Brock Lesnar, the Universal Champion, and it becomes less interesting to me because I want to see that championship, all right? Because let's be honest, ever since they introduced this belt, which is almost about a year already as they introduced this belt back at SummerSlam of last summer, uh, we're inching closer, of course, to SummerSlam, they have not done a great job in making this belt prestigious. They just haven't, all right? You know, it started with Finn Balor. He won the belt. That's great. But again, like you said, Ryan, bad news. He got hurt in the match with Seth Rollins. 
had to relinquish the belt. Kevin Owens becomes champion. We all thought it was going to be a big run for this guy. Just didn't feel that way because it didn't feel special. Because with the current storyline they worked with between him and Seth Rollins, more of the focus was on Chris Jericho than Kevin Owens. That was a big problem. And then you have Owens drop the belt to Goldberg, which was an even bigger shame because I've said this numerous times on the show. No part-timer should be holding championships whatsoever. And guess what? Goldberg, a huge part-timer, beats Bro- excuse me, beats Kevin Owens. He beats him in 21 seconds. He's a champion. And then he drops the belt, what, a month later to Brock Lesnar. And now Brock Lesnar's a champion. The belt just has not been given enough time to get prestigious. It just haven't. And Raw has done an awful job in making this belt feel legitimate. It has become a joke of a title where... You know, the, the Raw Women's title and the Intercontinental title are becoming more prestigious than the Universal title. And that is not a good thing, all right? The Universal title is supposed to be the top belt on Raw. How could you say that when, number one, it doesn't feel like the top belt on Raw? And number two, the belt is not even on Raw every single week because the champion is a part-timer. And that's why I just hate this fact, this idea that Vince thinks, oh, let's put the belt on a part-timer. Let's put it on Brock Lesnar. Put it on Goldberg. No, because these guys are not going to be on Raw every single week. That belt should be spotlighted, should be shown, should be exposed every single week on Raw. I'm not saying that belt should be defended every week, but this belt should be shown every single week. A full-timer has got to hold this belt. And when you look at the possible opponents for Brock Lesnar, again, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor are the big four. All right, One of those four guys will be the next opponent for Brock Lesnar. Not going to be Braun. He's hurt. Roman Reigns, great opportunity. Seth, Finn, great opportunity. I think Finn may have the best opportunity because he has the best reason and the best excuse. He, he said it himself. I never lost that belt. Um, I should be granted... A rematch, and he's dead on. Finn never lost that belt. He should get a rematch. Of course, Seth Rollins will have his say. Roman Reigns will have his say. But let's be honest. Out of all those opponents, you know, do, do we can we sit here and believe that either one of those three can beat Brock Lesnar? Especially with the way WWE has booked Brock Lesnar as a talent. I'm sorry. The only guy capable of beating Brock Lesnar, making it believable, is Braun Strowman. All right, because look, Braun Strowman is bigger than Brock in terms of weight and height. He's just as fast as Brock in terms of athleticism, and he's just as strong as Brock, all right? Finn Balor, uh, Brock Lesnar has, what, a 100-pound weight advantage over Finn Balor. He has, what, 70-pound advantage over Seth Rollins. Now, Roman Reigns is the only guy that can also match with Brock Lesnar, but we've seen this before. Brock Lesnar annihilated Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 31. And would not shock me if he does it again. He would annihilate Finn Balor, and he would annihilate Seth Rollins. Again, the only guy from that roster that is believable enough to beating Brock Lesnar right now is Braun Strowman. All right, I can make a case for Samoa Joe, but he's not there right now. Maybe down the line, if Brock is still the champion, maybe you could throw Samoa Joe in the mix. Because again, Joe can beat this guy because he's just as big as him, just as good as an athlete as him. He's a veteran. But right now, Samoa Joe is not at that point. So when we talk about right now, who should beat Brock Lesnar for this belt, there'll be people that will say Finn Balor. And I agree. Finn should be champion. But they have built Brock so unstoppable. They booked him as this unstoppable force that Finn Balor 
is just not believable in beating Brock Lesnar. And the same goes for Seth, and even the same goes for Roman Reigns. As we speak, the only guy that is believable to giving Brock Lesnar the biggest test and to possibly beat Brock Lesnar is Braun Strowman. Some people think, don't waste it, don't don't make this an early thing, don't rush Braun Strowman. I half agree with it, but right now, Braun Strowman is so red hot that I wouldn't even care if he becomes champion because I just don't want to see the belt on Brock anymore. No disrespect to Brock Lesnar, I like Brock Lesnar, but his role, he's a part-timer. And again, I am not in favor of part-timers holding championships because they're not going to be on Raw every single week. Brock Lesnar has not been on Raw ever since the night at the WrestleMania. That's now, what, a month? Basically, we have not seen Brock Lesnar for a month, and we're not going to see Brock Lesnar for maybe another month. He's not scheduled to be on Raw, what, late May, early June? That is such a huge gap that that's, that's just not good look for Raw and the current Universal Championship. We need to see that belt every single week. And that's why full-timers should hold the belt. So again, when you look at the list of opponents, right now with Braun Hurt, Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, or Seth Rollins. One of those three is going to get that opportunity. And again, I would love to see Finn Balor win the belt. I would love to see Seth Rollins win the belt. Roman Reigns, you know my feelings about that. My point is, though, is that none of those three guys at this point in time, are they're not believable enough because Brock has the advantage of all three guys, especially Finn and especially Seth. All right? Roman Reigns could match up with Brock Lesnar because he's just as big, he's just as strong. But we've seen this before where Brock annihilated Roman Reigns. It would not surprise me if that happens again. So the only one on that roster that should beat Brock Lesnar for this belt is Braun Strowman. And I like your point, Ryan. Maybe this is the best thing for Braun is that he takes some time off with this injury and then possibly gets that title match at SummerSlam. I would love to see Braun win that belt at SummerSlam. He should be the next champion. Is it going to happen? Who knows? Would not surprise me if Brock beat Braun Strowman. That would be a shame because, again, Brock should not be champion. I hate the fact that he's a champion for the simple reason he's a part-timer. And I said it numerous times no part-timer. I don't care who you are, whether you're Brock Lesnar, whether you're Triple H, whether you're The Undertaker, whether you're The Rock. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big of a name you are. You're a part-timer. You have no right to be a champion in this business, all right? Part-timers' roles these days is should be putting the future over, all right? These guys had their runs back in the day. It's time to look into the future, and that's what the part-timers should do. Putting over the future, guys. The only guy that knows to do that, knows how to do that, is Triple H. Because he's done that numerous times. He did it with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 32. He just did it with Seth Rollins. And he's going to keep on doing it with other talents in the future. Because Triple H knows his days are done. It's time to focus on the future. And they just don't do the same thing with Brock and Taker and Rock and, and Goldberg. That's absurd. These guys should not be going over the future. That's not what their job should be. So again, we'll see what happens in the upcoming weeks with this current title situation. What's Roman going to do with Braun Hurt? But hopefully, hopefully at some point this summer, someone beats Brock Lesnar. Because I don't want to see this guy's champion. And if there's anybody on that roster that should beat Brock Lesnar, it should be Braun Strowman. And hopefully when Braun does come back, he ends this feud with Roman Reigns. Just get it over with. And then go straight for Brock. But we don't know for sure if that's going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, they can't keep this belt on Brock past SummerSlam. There is no way they can do that. They got away with it the first time around when he became the WWE World Heavyweight Champion in 2014. They got away with it, uh, you know, for a while, and then he dropped it uh, at WrestleMania. But you know, again, they had different guys on the roster who you know main evented different pay per views, so they got away with not having the title there. Nowadays, they can't do that. I mean, there's no way they'll be completely dead in the water. Uh, it, it's just not going to work. So they need to take this belt off of Brock by SummerSlam because if if not, if you don't take this belt off of him at SummerSlam, then I have a feeling he'll be champion at WrestleMania, and they cannot go that long. They cannot go one year with him as the champion because Raw will suffer without that belt. I mean, it suffers with the belt. So imagine you know going that long without it. It just it, it wouldn't work out. So hopefully, like you said, somebody does beat him. And you know what? I, I'm I'm hoping that at the Great Balls of Fire event, it's Lesnar against Reigns because, like you said before, with Finn Balor and Seth, do we really want to see? Uh, Brock fighting Finn Balor. Do we really want to see him fighting Seth Rollins with the amount of injuries that those two have had over the past couple of months? I mean, it's, I don't want those two getting hurt even more. Uh, so hopefully it is Roman Reigns, because like you said, he's the one guy right now who could match up to Brock Lesnar other than Braun Strowman. So I hope that's the route that they go. And then when Braun comes back, you either do Braun and Brock or, or you do a triple threat, Braun, Roman, and Brock, something like that. But I think that's the uh, main event for SummerSlam regardless. So like you said, we'll see what they do. Uh, but like you said, Brian, they need to take the spell off of Lesnar by SummerSlam because if it goes past there, it's going to be major issues. Yeah, a lot of major issues. So we'll see what happens with that situation in the upcoming weeks. But as for this Monday's Raw, I was not that interested in Ryan because for the simple reason – the show was spoiled. Uh, for those of you who don't know, of course, the show, both Raw and SmackDown Live, were held in the, in the United Kingdom, in England, I think specifically in London. And we all know the big time differential from there to here in the United States is a five-hour differential. So when it's 3 o'clock here in the United States, it's 8 o'clock there. So they had to tape this. They couldn't have this live because let's say they did go live here in the United States at 8 p.m., over there, it would be 1 in the morning. So they can't do that. They tape the show. And we all know when shows get taped, the spoilers come out. It doesn't matter what show it is. Whenever anything that gets taped, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, of course, NXT, 205 Live, doesn't matter. They will get spoiled. And, of course, with that being the case this week with Raw and SmackDown both in the United Kingdom and the shows going on early, the shows were spoiled. So... And the person that I am, I had to read the spoilers. So I read the spoilers for both shows, and I was not all that interested in watching either show, especially Monday Night Raw, because I read the show, I read the spoilers, and just looking at, it, at how it went, I just wasn't a fan of it. And it started from the very beginning. I watched the opening segment, no Kurt Angle there as GM, which I thought it was stupid, all right? You always want, I mean, yeah, I might be a hypocrite, hypocrite because I've always said we don't want to see the GMs and, and the commissioners on television every single week. I get that. But still, you just want to you want to have that feeling that Kurt Angle is there. You want to have that feeling. He's not there, so Dean Ambrose and The Miz are running Raw. I thought that was stupid, all right? And I want to say this, too. I like Dean Ambrose, but I'm getting sick and tired of this intercontinental title reign. And I'm getting sick and tired of this goofy, comedic side of this guy, all right? I get it. It's entertaining. The kids love it. Dean Ambrose is a funny guy. I get that. But I know they can utilize this guy way better. Way better than the way he's being utilized right now. All right? Let's be honest. He is a funny guy. 
But this is not the Dean Ambrose that we know. And this is not the best Dean Ambrose that he can be. And this whole goofy comedic side of him is hurting his title run. Let's be honest. His Intercontinental title run has not been great. He's had the belt for a little while now. It's going on for, what, three months, it seems like. But he has done anything significant with that championship, all right? He feuded with Baron Corbin. That was okay. Wasn't the greatest feud. And now he's feuding with The Miz again for the championship. And I'm hoping to God next week when Miz takes on Ambrose for the belt, Miz wins the belt. Because let's be honest, Ryan, The Miz is right when he says, I made that belt relevant. He is 100% right. He has made the Intercontinental title relevant than any other champion of that belt in the past seven years. Let's be honest. He has been the most relevant champion for a long time. Because look what Miz does. All right, The Miz comes out. He's one of the best trash talkers in the business. He puts himself over, but he puts the belt over as well. Whenever he's talking about himself, he always mentions, I'm the greatest Intercontinental Champion. I made this belt relevant. And he absolutely has done that. Look at, the, look at his reign in the summer of 2016. That was one of the best reigns I've seen in a long time for a champion. It was so good. The stories he had with Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose and even John Cena were so freaking good when he was Intercontinental Champion because he made the belt important. He made it feel important. Dean is not doing that. Dean is all about being goofy and saying stupid funny shit. And I get that. It's a kid's show. It's PG. You want the kids laughing. You want to entertain the kids. That's fine. But it's hurting his title reign. All right. So hopefully next week, who knows if it's going to happen, but I'm hoping to God. That Miz wins next week because I know with Miz as champion, he will do his best in making that belt feel important. He did it the first time. He can do it again. And let's be honest, Ryan, he's a great talent, the Miz. He's an even better talent when he has a championship around his waist, all right? Again, the guy's one of the best talkers in the business. He's a reliable, safe worker. His chemistry with his wife is very, very good. But when he has a belt around him... He's an even better performer. He makes the belt feel special, all right? And as of right now, with the Intercontinental title being the top belt on the show, which I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's the fact because Universal title is not on the show, you need a great champion leading the Raw brand. And Dean Ambrose has not been a great champion, all right? Again, I don't want to bash Dean. I like Dean Ambrose. I know how good of a worker he is. But this whole goofy side of him is hurting his image, in my opinion. And it's hurting his reign as champion. They gotta change. They gotta change this belt. They gotta change the champion. Put the belt on the Miz. The guy knows how to put the belt over. He's a better worker when he's a champion, because he can say and do whatever he wants because he's got a belt around his waist. So again, we'll see what happens next week with the championship match between him and Miz, Dean versus Miz for the belt next week. But you know they went with the route where oh I'm running Raw. No, I'm running Raw. All right, we're both Raw run together. Did not like that. Of course, Miz took on Finn Balor right after. Good, solid match. Meant nothing, though. No Bray Wyatt came out to continue this Bray-Finn feud. You know, Miz and th th that whole opening segment where Miz and Dean saying the running raw. From that moment on, I was like, I'm not interested in the show because I already read the spoilers. And I just don't want to see this show run by Miz and Dean Ambrose because it's just not going to be good. So, again... Let's see what happens next week with this belt on the line. But I'm hoping to God, Ryan, that they change the belt. They change the championship and give it back to The Miz. Because 
This title reign that Dean has had so far has been awful. The belt should be back to where it belongs, and that is with The Miz, because The Miz will do his job in making this Intercontinental title feel special, feel relevant, and he will make this belt prestigious. Yeah, Brian, I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. I am beyond sick and tired of Dean Ambrose. This guy needs something. He needs a heel turn. He needs something because I am so sick of seeing him. And like you said, his goofy act, everything that he says, all the jokes, it's just, it's not funny. It's funny one bit. And again, he just, like, now, you know, it's not his fault because, you know, it's the creative team not having anything to do for him. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, he doesn't really make the feuds interesting as it is. But part of the reason is the creative hasn't really given him anything to work with. I mean, besides the feud with Baron Corbin, that was okay. But, I mean, I thought it would end with Baron Corbin winning the title, and it didn't. So now we have to see Dean Ambrose and The Miz feuding again, which is what we saw in the beginning of the year. That's when Dean Ambrose won the belt. He beat The Miz back in January. So... Now we're seeing it again, and I hope it's a different result, like you said. And I think it will be. I think, you know, they will put this belt back on the Miz. I mean, they got to. Because Dean Ambrose has done nothing with this belt. He has done absolutely nothing. He's been basically walking around with it like it's a prop. He has not made it prestigious. And, again, the only way to do that is to give the belt to the Miz and then take it from there because this title is the top title in Raw right now. It, it is. It's the top championship. Without Brock Lesnar and the Universal title, this is the top belt. And I do like how they're making this feel important, this feud, this match. I mean, it's main eventing the show. It's closing out the show. I like that because it deserves to. But like you said, I am so sick and tired with Dean Ambrose. He is in desperate need of the heel turn. And if he doesn't get it, uh, I fear for what, what his character is going to become because I just am not invested in this guy anymore like I used to be. Every time he's out there, I just want to change the channel. And I never thought I would say that because I always thought Dean Ambrose was good. But now, man, I just lately, I just cannot take watching him. Uh, you know, again, he has to lose this belt, and I think it'll happen next week. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So, again, me and Ryan both agree. We're hoping that we see a title change next week because for, for, for us' sake, for our, for our sake, it has to change. So, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax forming an alliance, an alliance is, I guess, pretty cool. But in the very end, it's not going to last long because Nia Jax wants a title shot. If Bliss beats Bailey at the next pay-per-view, which she's probably going to beat Bailey, um, her versus Nia Jax could be the next storyline. Who the heck knows what's going to happen with that? But uh, Bliss and Nia Jax as a duo is interesting because these are two very good heels. Uh, Nia Jax being the bodyguard of Alexa Bliss would be kind of a cool story, but we all know it won't last long because Nia Jax is not interested in a friendship. She just wants the championship. So if they really wanted to make this an, an alliance between these two girls, they could really pull it off, but it's not going to last long. Uh, again, Kalisto versus Braun Strowman. I, I just don't know why Kalisto is on Raw anymore. I'm sorry, this guy has got to be on 205 Live. They need more talent. They need more stars on that show. And Kalisto fits the bill. Now, I know Kalisto's a former United States champion. He had a nice run with the belt. But let's be honest. The guy has now been stuck in feuds with Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman. Guys that are 10 times bigger than him. And every single time he's out there, he's getting annihilated. I mean, you're not utilizing Kalisto to the best of his abilities. You put him in 205 Live... Against guys like Neville, against guys like Austin Aries and TJ Perkins and Rich Swan and Tony Nice, that is where Kalisa will fit best because he fits what the cruiserweights do. He's a fast-paced worker. He's a high flyer. He does unpredictable things. 
He's got to be on 205 Live, not on Raw anymore. To see this guy still feeling with Braun Strowman is a joke. It should be done with. That whole uh, dumpster match they had, what, a couple of weeks ago? That should have been the end game for Kalisto versus Braun Strowman. And then they do it again this past Monday in a normal match. Didn't happen, though. And then in a no contest, Roman Reigns came out to, to save the day. But let's be honest, Kalisto has got to be on 205 Live. I don't want to see him on Raw anymore. Tag Team Turmoil did not understand the point of this. Again, I they want every other tag team involved uh, for the championship. But let's be honest, there's a story going on between the Hardy Boys and Cesaro and Sheamus. And we just knew from the very beginning that Cesaro and Sheamus were going to win this match. If they didn't win this match, it would have made no sense with this story. All right, these two teams have been facing each other now for, what, a good month. Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus had this huge heel turn at Payback at the bidding of the Hardys after their loss. They come out next Monday on Raw declaring that they're heels and they're beginning this whole feud with the Hardy Boys. What would happen if they lost this tag team turmoil and let's say, you know, uh, Gallows and Anderson are new number one contenders? It destroys the story. Now, yes, I'm a big fan of Gallows and Anderson and I would have no problem with them as number one contenders against the Hardy Boys. I would want to see that story. But it would hurt the meaning of this current story between the Hardy Boys and Cesaro and Sheamus. So I did not understand why this had to happen. Because we all know in the very end, Cesaro and Sheamus were going to win this turmoil. And they were going to win this match. And they were going to become the next number one contenders. Because they are in a feud with the Hardy Boys. So did not understand that. And the turmoil, and, and let's be honest as well. The tag team turmoil went on forever. It, it, it literally went on for a good 40 minutes. We had like three commercial breaks in the middle of it. Because Raw had nothing else to do. There was nothing else to do with this show. So let's have a 40, like a 35 to 40 minute tag team turmoil match. To determine the new number one contenders. Even though in the very end it was going to be Cesaro and Sheamus. If you didn't think that, you're lost. I'm sorry. If you follow the storylines closely... You should have known it was going to be Cesaro and Sheamus. And again, in terms of the feud with the Hardy Boys, I guess it's fine. But I'm of the side, again, that I'm not in favor of this Cesaro-Sheamus tag team. I get I, I get it. They need more tag teams on Raw and SmackDown, especially with the Revival out. They need more tag teams on Raw. But I just don't think utilizing Cesaro and Sheamus as a tag team is the best way to go, especially for a guy like Cesaro, who we all know can absolutely nail it as a singles guy. But Vince just never had the confidence in giving Cesaro that type of push. I don't understand why the guy is completely over with the fans. He's one of the very best workers in the ring. Yeah, he could be underwhelming on the microphone, but a lot of guys are in this freaking company. AJ Styles, yes, his microphone skills have gotten better, but they're not the best thing about this guy. What makes AJ Styles so freaking great is that he's a freaking good wrestler. He's the best wrestler that the company has. And Cesaro is right up there. And when you see the fans cheering for this guy, how does it not tell you that this guy's over with the fans? I don't understand that. So, again, when I think about it, it still frustrates me that this is where Cesaro is right now in his career. Because we all know that he deserves a better opportunity. So, again, for this week's Raw, was not interested in it because I read the spoilers. The spoilers did not interest me. I didn't think the show was all that great. Hell, I thought the 50th episode of Being the Elite, the Elite's big YouTube page, uh, was better than Raw this week. It was entertaining. Their stories were more intriguing than freaking Raw's. And that's a joke to say because 
being the elite storylines are supposed to be goofy and hilarious, and they were hilarious and goofy, but they're more intriguing than freaking Monday Night Raw. Hell, I want to see who poisoned Adam, uh, excuse me, poisoned Nick Jackson. That's interesting. You know, w- what beef does Cody Rhodes have with the Revival? Every single time I'm being elite, he's got a sign that says, fuck the Revival. You know, what's going on with Marty Skrull? They fired Marty Skrull from being the elite. I want to know this type of stuff. That was more interesting than freaking Raw this week, and that is a joke. I'm sorry, because that's what being the elite is. It's supposed to be hilarious. It's supposed to be a joke, but also at the same time, it's a way for the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega to show the fans what their lives are all about. You know, these guys are always on the road. They're 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 giving the fans the experience of what these guys go through, which is great to see. But most of the time, they do goofy, funny stuff. They do jokes, and that's great. But to see that better than Raw this week, if I'm on that Raw, I'm embarrassed. So again. Was not a great Raw. Wasn't interested in it. And like I said before, I thought the 50th episode of Being the Elite was better than Raw this week. And that just shows you how bad of a show Raw was this week. I mean, I think every episode of Being the Elite is 10 times better than Monday Night Raw. I mean, that's, let's just put it that way. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, it didn't help that it was a taped show. Obviously, it was taped from the UK, so that doesn't help out. You know, there's always spoilers out there, but like you said, Brian, you can easily read the spoilers and tell what an awful show it is, and you don't even have to watch. I mean, I contemplated it, but of course, I didn't check it out for myself, and you know, basically what you said, you know, the rest of the show was just bleh. I mean, really was, you know. Alexa Bliss, like you said, got a new sidekick in Nia Jax for the time being. Uh, the tag team stuff was pointless, because like you said, how obvious was it that Sheamus and Cesaro were going to run the table and become number one contenders yet again? I mean, so freaking obvious. They just put so much investment on making these guys heal, and now why wouldn't they become number one contender? I, I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, how obvious could that have been? Main event was not good at all either. Dean Ambrose, Bray Wyatt, I'm sick and tired of seeing those two guys go at it. Just stupid stuff. Of course, we talked about the Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns stuff. Uh, overall, like you said, it's just a very blessed show, and again, it's just your typical Monday Night Raw for you. But of course, when it was taped, uh, doesn't help out with the fact either. Yeah, it just it was just not a good show overall. So, and then in terms of SmackDown, again, same thing. Uh, that it was taped, it was in London, England. Uh, so again, the person that I am read the spoilers, and SmackDown as well to me just didn't look that great. Uh, there was a big six-man tag match main event: Sami Zayn, Randy Orton, and AJ Styles. A pretty cool freaking uh, three-man team took on Jinder Mahal, uh, excuse me, Jinder Mahal, uh, Kevin Owens, and um, who was the third guy? It's um, I think it was yeah, Baron Corbin was the third guy. They were in a six-man tag team match in the main event. Solid match. Uh, Mahal going over Randy Orton to me was not a surprise because again, this is SmackDown WWE's attempt to build so much momentum for Jinder Mahal as he gets set for his championship match. But, again, you know, uh, Jinder Mahal... The situation with Jinder Mahal is is this. You know, this guy... A lot of people think I have a problem with Jinder Mahal as number one contender because I don't think he's a great talent and because he's from India, all right? That's not the case here, all right? I don't care where Jinder Mahal is from, all right? I just don't. It doesn't matter where he's from, whether it's Russia, India, I don't give a crap, all right? Wherever he's from, doesn't matter to me, all right? That's great. I mean, look at Rusev. The guy's from freaking Bulgaria or Russia, wherever place you want to say he's from. And I like the guy because Raw and WWE in total has done a very solid job in booking Rusev many times. Jinder Mahal's case is different, all right? This guy, since coming back to the WWE over the summer, has been a jobber. 
And let's be honest, his entire WWE career, when he first started, and then since he's come back, he's been a jobber. What significant thing has Jinder Mahal done in the WWE that's memorable? The only thing you can say that he did memorable was that he was a part of the three-man band with freaking Heath Slater and Drew McIntyre. And that didn't work out well. Those guys are goofballs. This guy has not done one significant thing since coming to WWE. So why, with him doing nothing, does he deserve this opportunity to be number one contender? And we said it on the show uh, before. The only reason why he's getting this opportunity is because they want to please the fans in India. They want to continue to expand their company. They want to say, hey, you, uh, we thank you guys for watching our product. So here's a treat for you. One of your guys is going to be a number one contender for the WWE Championship, which is great for them. And part of me is happy for Jinder. I'm happy for the guy. But let's be honest. It just doesn't make sense to give a guy like Jinder Mahal, who has been a jobber for his entire career and has not done any significant thing on Raw or SmackDown, it makes no sense to give a guy like him a number one contendership. It just doesn't. And as of late, they've been booking him very strong, which is smart because you want to give the fans the reason to believe that he can win this match. But even though, but we do know he's not going to win this match. If he beats Randy Orton, I don't know what to think. If that happens, forget about it. It will be hell to pay. There will be riots from fans because Jinder Mahal at this point in time just doesn't deserve it yet. If they slowly build this guy up, Every single week, he's in big feuds, he's taking part in big storylines, he's going over some big talents. Then yes, give him the opportunity. But not right now when this guy has not earned that opportunity. He just hasn't. What has this guy done throughout his WWE career that was significant? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So that's my problem with him as number one contender. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do that he's from India. I don't care where he's from. I don't care if from I don't care if he's from Japan or Australia or freaking Iceland. It doesn't matter where you're from. What comes down to is how good you are as a talent and how your success has been in this company. And he has not had any amount of success in this company. He has not done one significant thing in this company. And that's my problem why he's a number one contender. Because there are other guys on that roster that have done something big that are still not getting opportunities, like Sami Zayn. Yes, Sami Zayn has not won a championship on the main roster, but he's been a part of big feuds. He's been in big matches. He's done some big things on the main roster. How the hell is Jinder Mahal getting this opportunity, not Sami Zayn? Baron Corbin. Yes, the guy has not won a championship, but he's been a part of some big stuff on the on the main roster. He's had some big wins. Why is he not getting an opportunity? It just doesn't make sense to me. Guys like that, even Luke Harper, deserves a bigger opportunity than Jinder Mahal. Harper's been an Intercontinental Champion before. He's been a part of big matches and storylines. How the hell is he not in this in this picture? In this Jinder Mahal? That's my problem. Has nothing to do with race. Has nothing to do where he's from. No part of it. I don't care he's from India. Good for him, he's from India. And good for the fans in India that are going to see one of their own fight for the championship. That's great. But my problem is this. The guy just hasn't done enough to earn that opportunity, to earn this chance. If this guy was being booked strongly, if he was getting big win after big win, if he was put, being part of big storylines, then that's fine. Yes, he could be in this picture. But he has not done any of that. From his first run to his second run, he has not done anything significant 
that should warn him an opportunity for a championship and to main event backlash. So again, I want to be interested in this feud. I really want to. Randy versus Jinder, it could be good. It's just not because Jinder Mahal is just not believable to be a champion. Because WWE has not made it believable as champion. They're doing it right now. He's a part of this freaking faction with the, the, the with the Bollywood boys. He's going over Randy Orton every single week. And that's a smart way to get this guy over and to make the fans believe that he has a chance. But we all know he doesn't have a chance. We all know that because he has done nothing significant to earn this opportunity and to earn a title reign. He just hasn't. So again... For those of you who think that I'm against this because of his heritage and his race, you're dead wrong. has nothing to do that he's from India. Nothing about that. The problem is with I ha- that I have with this is that this guy has done nothing to earn my respect, to earn the respect from a lot of fans, and to earn this opportunity. He just has done absolutely nothing to earn it. And that's the biggest problem in why I, that, that I have... With Jinder Mahal becoming the number one contender for the WWE Championship facing Randy Orton, alright? That's the problem. Has nothing to do with race or anything else. It's because this guy has not been booked strongly enough for me to believe that he can actually beat Randy Orton for the belt. Yeah, I mean, before he won the number one contenders match, he was nothing but a jobber. Literally, he was simply just a jobber. I mean, nobody saw his you know, his win coming. Nobody thought he would ever become number one contender. This guy is main eventing a pay-per-view over guys that actually deserve it. Like you mentioned, Sami Zayn, a Baron Corbin. Heck, Cesaro, how long has he been in the company? Has he ever main evented a pay-per-view? He hasn't. And that's a problem. And that's, that's the ultimate problem. Like you said, he has nothing to do with his race or anything like that. I understand, you know, they want to push him because of their, you know, Indian fan base or whatever the case may be. But don't push him into a number one contender spot for the WWE title to main event a pay-per-view. I mean, have him go fight for a mid-card belt if you want to push him. I just don't understand why they made him number one contender and how he's main eventing a pay-per-view. And like you said, Brian, he's not believable. He's not. He's going to lose to Randy Orton. It's going to be a one-and-done thing. The next pay-per-view for SmackDown is Money in the Bank. And it's going to be Rusev versus Randy Orton for the belt. Because it, no, there's no way this feud goes past this pay-per-view. They, they can't possibly do enough to make this feud last past this pay-per-view. They, they can't. It, there's no way. So to me, this match is pointless altogether. I mean, I feel for the people that bought Backlash tickets that are going to be there in attendance. Because I don't think they're going to see a quality main event. I, I really don't. I really don't think Jinder Mahal is a quality type guy that could actually hold the WWE Championship. I just don't think so. I, I really don't. Uh, I have no doubts that he's going to lose this match. I have no doubts Randy Orton will retain. But still, simply the fact that he's getting this opportunity over guys that deserve it, like you said, Brian, that's the real problem right there. And, you know, he's just not believable to win. He's not. It's ridiculous. So, uh, again, you know, for me personally, I'm not even excited for the Backlash pay-per-view simply because that match is headlining the show. I mean, really, that match is going to headline the show over a match with, like, Nakamura and Ziggler or Owens and uh, AJ Styles. 
that is the problem right there. That is why I am not excited one bit about this upcoming pay-per-view. And, you know, again, I'm just sick and tired of seeing this week after week, this buildup where Jinder Mahal comes out with the Bollywood boys and is feuding with Randy Orton. To me, it's just something I never thought we would see on WWE television. So it really is a shame that it's happening. But like I said, hopefully it's one and done. We don't got to deal with it anymore. And then it's just going to be a joke because Jinder Mahal is going to go back to jobbing, basically doing nothing. It's going to be a complete joke. So to me, like you said, Brian, makes no sense. He's not believable. That's the ultimate problem here. And, uh, you know, again, this is going to be a one-and-done thing, and hopefully we never see Jinder Mahal in this spot again. But uh, the fact that he's even getting in the first place is absolutely ridiculous. Again, he's got to earn it, and I just don't think he, ha- he hasn't earned it yet. I'm not Again, I'm not going to sit here and bash Mahal as a talent. He's not the greatest talent, but he's an okay talent. He's doable. But, again, you know, again, the problem that I have with him is that he has done nothing significant to earn this opportunity. He has it. Now, a guy like Rusev, who is scheduled to be the next number one contender, and he's going to fight Randy Orton for the belt and Money in the Bank, I'm perfectly fine with that. And for the reason, again, Rusev has done a lot in this company to earn the opportunity. The guy's been a two-time United States champion. He's been a part of big feuds with John Cena that lasted for, what, three months? And that was a solid feud he had. Even though, yes, he didn't get one win over Cena, it was still a solid feud. The feud he had with Roman Reigns was very solid. He's been part of a faction called the League of Nations. He's done some big freaking stuff on the main roster. A guy like him deserves that opportunity. Now, yes, is he believable to beat Randy Orton? Not necessarily, but more of a believable than Jinder Mahal. I would be more interested in Rusev versus Orn because I know how good Rusev can be. I still don't know what type of talent Mahal is because he's done not enough on this roster for me to sit there and say, you know what? No, Jinder's not a bad guy. He's he, he's a believable guy. He can beat Randy Orton. He can give him a battle. I don't believe that because, again, he's done nothing to prove that. Rusev has. Again, he's had some big matches. He's had some big feuds. So I'm, I'm happy for Rusev. This guy deserves the opportunity for that championship. Again, he's not going to win it. He's not that much believable to win it. But still, a guy like him deserves that opportunity because he's done a lot. He's had success on the main roster. He's done some big things. That's not where Jinder Mahal is. He is nowhere near the success that Rusev had. Nowhere near it. Mahal hasn't even won a championship. And he's getting this opportunity over Rusev. Now, yes, Rusev's hurt. That's the problem. But still, who even knows? Even if Rusev was healthy, they'll probably still with they, they still roll with Mahal as the number one contender over Rusev. And that's stupid. So, again, I want to be interested in the story. I really want to. But Mahal, being the talent that he is right now, a guy that really hasn't done anything significant on the main roster, is just not leading me into believing him as a legitimate threat. For the World Championship, I just don't believe in it. So, And for those of you guys, the main event, the show, especially over AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens for the United States Championship, that's re- that's absurd. Now, again, yes, the WWE title is the biggest title on the show, and that should always be the main event at some times, but still. An AJ Styles-Kevin Owens match for the United States belt is a lot bigger than an Orin Mahal match for the World Championship. That's, the, that's a fact, not my opinion. It's a fact, so... Again, we have one more week till Backlash. We'll see what happens next week to cap it off this buildup between Randy and Mahal. Again, at the very end, I do not see Randy dropping this belt because, again, they have not done enough with Mahal for me to believe that he will actually take this belt off of Randy Orton. So we'll see what happens with that for the rest of the show again. Nothing stood out. 
Natalia versus Becky Lynch ended in three minutes. This whole storyline where this welcoming committee versus Naomi, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte, which is official now for Backlash, I'm not interested in it because I said it last week. I'm not interested, I'm not invested in this welcoming committee group because two of the three members of that group I can't stand. Again, Natalia and Carmella, they're good-looking girls. They have their strengths, but there's a lot of weaknesses for these girls. Natalia is a god-awful microphone worker. She's terrible. She's a good wrestler. She is. I give her that. She can really work in the ring. But her microphone skills kill that about her. Carmella, forget about it. She's not a great wrestler. She's even a worse talker. I, I, I like that they try to go with this heel run, but it has not been that good. I'm sorry, it just hasn't. And again, I, I hate that I want that, that I'm bashing talents, but that's the fact. Alright? Carmella and Natty are just not good enough to me. Tamina, there's not enough about her that I can say because she's been hurt a lot. She's not been in big feuds. But she's a big girl. She's a good athlete. She's physical. If they can roll with her like they did with Nia Jax, then I'm okay with Tamina. But, again, this whole welcoming committee thing is stupid. And I said it again last week. I'm not a fan of Charlotte turning face right now. She is so good as a heel that you cannot turn her face at this point. Because, like I said before, if she makes this official face turn, who is going to be the top heel in that division? Natalia? Really? Natalia? Carmella? That's a joke. You need a top heel. And they already have two top faces in Naomi and Becky Lynch. Why do you need another top face? All right, you don't need that. S spread it out. We don't need that many top faces to see Charlotte, Becky, and Naomi all faces on one brand. That's too much. You need a top heel. And there's no better top heel in that division than Charlotte. She's perfect. She's a tremendous heel. I'm not saying she's a bad face. She's a good face. Look at her face work in NXT. She did a very good job. But her heel work has been so freaking good for the past year and a half. Why are you ending it right now when SmackDown has no other top heel? Now let's say Charlotte and Alexa Bliss were on the same show. Then yes, you can afford to turn Charlotte face because you have Bliss as the top heel. They're not in that position right now. They don't have that top heel. Natalia, I'm sorry, is not a top heel. Carmella, nowhere close. Tamina, nowhere close. That's why I just don't think it's a smart move to turn Charlotte face. Now, is she officially a face? Not really, I guess, because this may be just a one-off thing. And maybe Charlotte goes back as a, as a heel and she faces Naomi again or whatever the case is. But the way they're rolling with this, it looks like Charlotte's turning face. And I don't agree with it right now because of the simple reason they don't have another top heel so they can afford to turn Charlotte face. You always need a top heel and a top face in a specific division. Raw has that. Bailey and Sasha Banks are the top faces. Alexa Bliss is the top heel. That's fine. SmackDown, they don't have that. All right, Naomi and Becky Lynch are top faces. But Charlotte as well? Don't like that. You need a top heel. And right now the three heels that are Natty, Carmella, and Tamina... They're nowhere near the talent and the heelish level of Charlotte. They're just not. They are nowhere close to it. They're not believable in being the top heels of a division of the SmackDown brand. They're just not. So I'm hoping that after this whole thing ends on Sunday, 
I mean, who knows if it's a one-off thing. This could be a, a long storyline, which would be even more dumber. Hopefully, if this does end on Sunday, Charlotte goes back to being a heel. Because that's where she is best utilized. She's so good as a heel. Don't change it yet. Let her feud with Naomi. See what you can get. Let her re- let her feud with Becky Lynch again. See what you can get. She can do great work with those two girls. But to see her as a face, along with Naomi and Becky, facing off against three heels that are, let's be honest again, these three girls are not the greatest of talents. They have their strengths, but there's a lot of weaknesses. I'm just not invested in it. I'm really not. I want to be. I want to be invested in every storyline. But there are certain things that happen that I'm not invested in. And this is one of them. Turning Charlotte face. The three top heels now on your brand are Carmella, Natty, and Tamina. Just not interested in it. So that was a big thing that happened on SmackDown. Nothing big like that. The only thing that happened really big on SmackDown, other than the main event match, was the Dolph Ziggler Shinsuke Nakamura encounter. Which was actually pretty good. You know, again, you know, Ziggler hasn't done the best of work being the heel in this, but Nakam- Nakamura's been fine. I love that when Ziggler's, you know, digging into Nakamura saying that he's awful, that this guy, why are you cheering for this guy? I've been here longer. I've, you know, given you guys everything that I have, and you're cheering for this guy who hasn't even had a one match on the main roster. That's absurd. Trying to bash Nakamura. Nakamura takes a microphone away from him saying that, shut up. You want to see what I can do? I'll show you what I can do. Getting into a little bit of a brawl. Very solid stuff right there. I'm looking forward to it. Nakamura Ziggler Sunday could be the match of the night. Other than AJ and Owens. That should be some good stuff right there. But other than that, and the main event match, SmackDown was uneventful. A part of it was the spoilers, but let's be honest. Even if there wasn't any spoilers, there was nothing big to happen on the show. Eric Rowan versus Luke Harper. Are they feuding with each other? Not interested in that. Good to see Brizango get a win over the Ascension. And they had, of course, their opportunity versus the Usos. That should be solid, but not not a big thing, of course. So a very uneventful SmackDown for the simple reason that the spoilers were leaked out. But again, if there, if there wasn't any spoilers, the show wasn't that great from the beginning. It just wasn't. It just didn't feel... It didn't feel special. It didn't feel good. It just didn't. didn't have that good feeling like it has been for so many months ever since the brand split. So, again, and like you said, Ryan, before, the Backlash pay-per-view, I'm not all that interested in it. I'm interested in two matches, and that's it. Dolphins and Nakamura and AJ and Owens. Other than that, I can give two shits about the card. Randy versus Mahal, not interested. The six-woman tag match, not interested. I mean, I want to be interested in the Usos and the Fashion Police. I, I want to, but it should be an okay match. Not the greatest of matches. Zayn versus Corbin, I think, is happening. That should be fine. But, again, not an eventful show to me. And, and for reasons because the storylines have not gone that well. They just haven't. So, that was it for SmackDown. That's all I can say. It was not a very eventful SmackDown. Yeah, no. I mean, not at all. Like you said... Charlotte, you know, turning face, it looks like they're heading in that direction. I'm still hoping that, you know, she ends up turning on uh, Naomi and Becky Lynch at the pay-per-view, uh, and then she remains a heel because, like you said, Brian, I mean, she is just such a good heel. I, I mean, it's just, it's literally like some people are just made to be heels. I, I mean, really, some people should just stay heel their entire career, and Charlotte is one of them. I mean, I, I compare this, this situation to Seth Rollins. I mean, it's basically similar in that aspect where he's such a good 
He had a great heel run, but they basically did everything they, that they could, and they got everything out of him that they could as a heel that he had to turn babyface. To me, Seth Rollins as a babyface is not successful at all. It's not. It's actually terrible. Like, Seth Rollins used to be, like, on my number one list of favorite wrestlers, and he still is, but he's taken a little bit of a hit because I've been enjoying a lot more anymore. And to me, heels are more funner. They're more fun to like. They're more fun to watch. They're must-see. As a babyface, it's so freaking hard to be a babyface, and some people are just not cut out for it. Seth Rollins being one of them, and Charlotte being one of them as well. I know she was a face in NXT, and it worked for the time being, but right when she went heel, man, just something clicked. Something clicked automatically, and I never wanted to see her as a face ever again. And I'm still hoping, holding out hope, that she ends up turning on them and remains a heel, because if not, I'm just not going to be invested in it. And like you said, how could you have Tamina, Natalia, and Carmella as your top heels? It, to me, not, none of them are believable as top heels uh, of, of a women's division. I mean, the only one is Natty that could be, but lately Natty has just fallen off the ladder. She really has. She's taken a big hit in terms of her mic skills. Even her in-ring ability has just taken a hit, in my opinion. It's really not all that great anymore. To me, she's just not believable. I just, again, like you said, Brian, she needs to remain a heel because they desperately need a top heel in her, unless they, they're going to do something where they turn Becky Lynch heel. But again, I don't think Becky's going to be a good heel. I think she was in NXT, if I'm not mistaken, but I just can't picture her as a heel nowadays because she's too cheery and goody-goody and happy-go-lucky. And to me, it just it wouldn't work. You need to keep Charlotte as a heel and have her feud with a face Becky Lynch. To me, that makes the most sense. But, uh, you know, moving on to SmackDown, like you said, nothing really eventful uh, as for the rest of the show. They finally set up Nakamura Ziggler for Backlash. We knew that was coming. Good encounter, good physical brawl between them. I loved how Nakamura is just throwing, like, knees right into Dolph Ziggler. Should be an awesome match at the pay-per-view. Quite frankly, that is the only match that I care about on that pay-per-view. Because other than that, like you said, Brizongo and Usos, it's going to be okay, but it's not must-see match. Neither is, you know, Orton Mahal, uh, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles. I am excited about that. But we have seen that before, so it's not like this huge ordeal that, oh, my God, these two are facing each other. We've seen it numerous times before. Uh, still good to see. But, again, to me, nothing really stood out for the rest of the show. Uh, and as far as backlash goes, nothing stands out to me on that pay-per-view either. So it's just, I don't know, they got to get their, their shit together and hopefully – Come the summer months, they have better feuds, uh, you know, better storylines, and hopefully from here on out, we see better shows. Now, the only brand right now that just continues to have a lot of success and put together great shows every single week has been NXT, and that was the same theme last night. Uh, a, a great show for the simple reason that it had a great main event match: Roderick Strong versus Hideo Itami for the NXT for the number one contendership for the NXT title. Was a tremendous match. If you have not seen it, please go on the network and watch the match. Very good stuff, all right? If you're a long time independent wrestling fan that watched the old days of Ring of Honor, that's what we saw last night, where you had Roderick Strong and Hideo Itami, who were longtime members of Ring of Honor. Um, and of course, Nigel Beginnis was a part of Ring of Honor. He commentated the match. It was pretty crazy to see that last night. We had a nice little Ring of Honor reunion back in the good old days in like the 2007, 2008 time when those two guys were killing it in Ring of Honor. But very, very fun match. Tommy winning, no shocker there. Again, if you guys read the spoilers, you knew that he won the match. But when I thought about Ryan, 
him winning the match didn't make all that sense to me for this reason why. I'm not saying that Tommy doesn't deserve the opportunity. He absolutely does. But the past couple of weeks, NXT has done their work and have done a very good job in highlighting this whole story about Roger Strong. All right, the past two weeks, before last night's show, the past two weeks, they've done a two-part little show of how Roger Strong came into the business and what his life's all about. All right, the first part, of course, is where he grew up, how, as a young kid, life was rough because his family had addiction problems, his dad had addiction to alcohol, his mom on drugs, and how tough it was to survive with their, those problems growing up in Tampa, Florida. And then part two, of course, is how he started in the business, his relationship with his fiance. now that he's a father. And when you watch those two pieces of him, you know, you want to root for this guy. Like, yeah, I like Roderick Strong, even though, yes, a fan like me, who I've been watching Roddy for a long time, am already a fan of him. And you're too, Ryan, but there are a lot of fans in NXT that don't know who Roderick Strong is. They don't watch Ring of Honor. They don't watch PWG. They don't watch The Independent. So there are still fans that watch NXT that are trying to get acclimated and they want to understand who Roderick Strong is. And NXT did a tremendous job in highlighting who Roderick Strong is. Tremendous work by them. Telling Roderick Strong's story. Great job. You're trying to get fans invested in Roderick Strong. So when you have that happening, wouldn't it make sense to give this guy an opportunity to fight for the championship to face Bobby Roode at TakeOver Chicago? When I thought about that, I was like, all right, you know, that they, they, they're highlighting this guy every single week, but he's not the number one contender? A little bit confusing on my part. I mean, it's not a big deal, all right? I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, my God, how could they not give this chance to Roderick Strong? You know, screw Hideo Tommy. It should be Roderick Strong fighting Bobby Roode at TakeOver Chicago. I'm not going to say that because Hideo Tommy deserves this opportunity just as much as Roderick Strong. I mean, Hideo Tommy has had a roller coaster of a run in NXT, all right? This guy, I thought about this today. This guy signed with NXT back in 2014. He signed with NXT way before Samoa Joe signed, way before Shinsuke Nakamura signed, way before Bobby Roode signed. This guy has been with the NXT brand for three years, but don't forget, he was out for over a year with that shoulder injury. He comes back. Everything looks good. But then at a live event, he gets hurt again. Because Riddick Moss doesn't know how to properly hit a power slam. So with that injury happening, he's had a couple more months. He's finally back. And whenever we watch a day with Tommy, we always got to you know, be worried about this guy. Because he's had some injury problems. And we just don't know what's going to happen next. Hopefully this time around he can stay healthy. Because we all know when he's healthy, he is an absolute stud. And he showcased that last night. And this match was strong. He showed how damn good he really is. And I cannot wait for his match with Bobby Roode. It's going to be very freaking good. Do I think he's going to beat Bobby Roode? Unfortunately, no. I just don't see it happening. Because I don't see Hideo Tommy lasting in NXT this long. I think he's going to get the opportunity to go to the main roster. I'll even say this. I think he, he's going to be on 205 Live. I, I, I truly believe that. Because, you know, let's be honest, what role will he fill on the main roster? You know, what what realistically can Hideo Tommy do on the main roster? I don't know. I think he's better suited for, for the 205 Live because he fits what they do. Again, just like Neville, just like Aries, he's a fast-paced worker. He does crazy stuff in the ring. He fits the, the, the bill weight-wise. 
he's a perfect fit for them. And just imagine him versus Neville, versus Aries, versus Perkins. Be pretty good stuff. So that's why I, uh, I, I want to see him become champion. I would like to see a Tommy hold the belt. I just don't see it, though, because, you know, this guy, I just think his time with NXT is coming to an end. Uh, because I think they want to use him on the main roster, which I don't blame him because Tommy's very talented. But, you know, I still want to see him work more in NXT. But let's be honest again, even if he loses to Rude, what, what else is there for Tommy to do? What what could he honestly do? I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. So, again, you know, if you didn't check the match out last night, please do. Check out the entire episode. It was very, very good. Roger Strong, Hideo Tommy, outstanding chemistry, told a very good story in that match. Both these guys deserve the opportunity to fight for the championship. Only one was going to win, though. It was a Tommy. Part of it doesn't make sense to me because they've been spotlighting Roger Strong for the couple of weeks, which is finally good to see because, you know, he really hasn't done anything big on NXT ever since he came to the, to the brand in October. Uh, he's had two takeover matches, and that's pretty much it, but not any significant storyline he's been a part of. Hopefully... After this little story they told about Roger Strong and after last night's match, that they go someplace with Roddy because, let's be honest, he's too talented to not get these opportunities. He just is. Now, yes, his charisma, his microphone skills are very underwhelming. And that was my concern from the very beginning with Roddy. You know, we talked about this on the show when he signed that, all right, that's great. He's with NXT. But how is he going to fare with the brand when his microphone skills aren't the greatest? And he doesn't really have that great amount of charisma. And that is still the concern with Roderick Strong. His in-ring work, let's be honest, he's one of the very best when it comes to in-ring work. He is one of the best. He's so smooth. The guy's safe in the ring. He just knows how to to kill a match, in-ring-wise. But in terms of charisma, in terms of microphone skills, in terms of character, there's still work needed to be done for Roderick Strong. So let's see what happens after last night, where he's going to go from this. Again, it's still confusing to me that he didn't win this match after the past couple of weeks that they've been spotlighting this guy. But again, I'm not going to sit here and bash the fact that he didn't win because Hideo Tommy deserves it much as him. He does. He deserves this opportunity. So again, awesome match. Congratulations, Hideo Tommy. Well-deserved. Great opportunity for him to fight, the, to fight for the championship. We'll see what happens with that match. And we'll see where Roger Strong goes from here because I'm interested now. I want to see what they do with this guy. They're telling his story. Utilize this guy the right way. We'll see what happens with him in the next coming weeks, and we'll see what happens next week as Atami and Rude get set for their big match at TakeOver Chicago. Yeah, I mean, uh, good point. I really didn't think of it in that aspect because – you know, the spoilers have been out for a while now, and we've known that Hideo Itami was going to be, you know, the number one contender for Bobby Roode's championship. So we knew this. I mean, we knew this match was happening. So, you know, obviously going into last night's episode, you knew who was going to be the winner. But, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, what they've been doing with Roderick Strong and spotlighting his life and having all these awesome videos, uh, you know, showing everybody what, you know, this guy came from and what his life's been like, it just made sense. For him to win and for him to be the number one contender here, I mean, the way they've been spotlighting him, it seems like they're building him up as if, you know, the NXT championship is his glory. You know, this is his moment. This is where he should be. This is what he needs to do. This is what he needs to accomplish. I mean, it almost seems like they're, you know, this is a hype. This is video packages leading up to a big time match for this guy, but it's not. And it's a little weird. It's a little confusing. Like you said, and, I mean, hopefully this guy has big plans. I mean, is he the next 
in line for for the title shot after this match at Takeover Chicago? I mean, I I, I want to say yes, but then I want to say no at the same time because I have a feeling that Drew McIntyre is just waiting in the wings for Bobby Roode at Takeover Brooklyn, which is I think the next big Takeover after this one. So I just. I don't know. I really don't know at this point what they do with Roderick Strong. I mean, it's very interesting to me. And like you said, we'll see where they go with him. But when you think about it, too, I mean, until you said that, Brian, I really didn't put two and two together. But it completely makes sense. Uh, you know, it would would have made sense for him to win the match last night. But again, you know, we all knew that that wasn't the case. So that's why we really didn't think of it in that aspect. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know where they go from here with Roderick Strong because he hasn't had a, a big time feud. It's not really a big-time match, if you think about it. I mean, the match last night was great with the day with Tommy. Don't get me wrong. That was great. Like you said, throwback to Ring of Honor days. Uh, I had Nigel McGuinness on the call as well. So, great match, great stuff right there, good chemistry between those two guys. But, I mean, Roger Strong really hasn't had a great, great big-time match in NXT that was actually meaningful. And I don't know when he's going to get that or even if he's going to get that. But you got to think, if they're putting all this effort into these video packages and spotlighting this guy, you got to think it's not for nothing. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him moving forward. Um, you know, I'm intrigued, but we'll see. But like you said, Brian, it would have made sense for him to win last night and become number one contender, given how much investment they've been putting in this guy for the past couple of weeks. And that's why I think, too, they gotta they got to bring in a mid-card belt because a lot of these guys are not going to become champions. Again, a guy like Roderick Strong should be NXT champion. But you said it best, Ryan. Can we actually sit here and believe that Roddy's going to be the next number one contender when Drew McIntyre is going to be in that picture, when A-Lister Black is going to be in that picture with the way they've been building up A-Lister Black? He is definitely going to get a title shot. I mean, they are showcasing this guy to the roof. Even when Adam Cole possibly comes to NXT, he's going to be in that conversation. So that's why I think Adding in a mid-card belt will benefit a lot of these guys like Roger Strong. Because, all right, let's say Roddy never wins the big belt. He can always carry the mid-card belt. And the same goes for other guys. I'm not just saying Roddy. You can always have only Lorcan fight for the belt. You can also have Andrade Almas fight for the mid-card belt. Even Cassius Ono. We don't know what Cassius Ono is doing right now. Now, next week he's facing Andrade Almas. But what's the payoff going to be? What's Cassius Ono going to do next? If Cassius Ono is never going to win that belt... He can always hold the mid-card belt. So again, that's a problem that needs to be answered because NXT's main event picture is stacked. It really is. People don't think that, but it's really, really stacked. They have a lot of pretty damn good single competitors on their show. And they're going to get even better when Adam Cole comes in. It's, it's going to be even better when he arrives. But all these guys are not going to become champion. And that's why I think if you want to utilize these guys the best of your abilities, throw a mid-card belt in. Because again, Roger Strong is a perfect example of a guy that we all know deserves to be world champion for NXT. But when he's in the same division, in the same brand as a Drew McIntyre, as a, a A-lister Black, as an Adam Cole pretty soon, as a Cassius Ono, you have to sit there and think that maybe this guy is never going to become champion. Because let's be honest again, it's not like NXT is its own company and that these guys will always have the opportunities. No, this is developmental. Guys are not always going to be in NXT. They're going to get their ticket punch to the main roster. Because like I said, if this was if this was their own company, if this was their own brand like SmackDown Raw, then yes, 
Roddy will always have that opportunity. But that's not the case with NXT because these guys are going to get the main roster call-up. So if you want to utilize these guys to the best of their abilities, for those who may never win a world championship, throw a mid-card belt in. Give these guys something to do that is meaningful. A guy Cash is Ono right now has not done anything meaningful since he came back. Yes, he had that big match with Bobby Roode. He lost the match for the championship. Ever since then, he hasn't done anything big. And we all know Cassius Ono deserves better than that because he's so freaking talented. Roderick Strong is so freaking talented, he deserves better. You know, A-Lister Black is not a lock to become champion, but even him, he's so freaking talented that if he never wins a world championship, he deserves better. He should be a mid-card champion. But let's be honest, with the way they're booking A-Lister Black, this guy could be champion. I mean, again, this week in NXT, he kicked off the show, wrestled this guy, Cesar Bonani, whatever his name was, kicked his ass in, what, a minute? And I gotta say, man, that Black Mask finisher, that spinning kick to the face... My goodness. I mean, I know Rich Swan has used that move on the 205 Live show, but Alice the Black hits his with so much force, so much power, that when he hit that last night, holy crap. And they're booking this guy very, very strongly, where you have to believe that Alice the Black could be a world champion in NXT. You can believe that. He's been booked very, very strongly. But again, it's also tough to believe that when there's so many other talented guys in the brand that could also be in that same picture. Because st- I still believe to this day that Drew McIntyre is going to be the one to beat Bobby Roode. I don't think it's going to be Adam Cole. It's not going to be Roger Strong. I-, I just don't believe it's going to be Roger Strong. Not going to be Hideo Tommy. Not going to be Cassius Ono. Alistair Black, possibly. But Drew McIntyre has the better chance because McIntyre is a made name. The people know who he is. And I just think right now he's the right guy to beat Bobby Roode. He just is. Where Alistair Black is still trying to get his feet wet. He's still trying to win the fans over. It's it's going on slowly. The fans are, are slowly trying to get acclimated with Alistair Black. But it's going to take a while. Where Drew McIntyre is an already made name. The fans know who he is. The fans know what he's made of. They know what he's all about. He's more believable and taking that belt off of Bobby Roode first than Alistair Black is. Because it's going to take a long time until Alistair Black gets that opportunity which is fine so again we'll see what happens again last night was a great match between strong and Tommy. but guys like those guys you know guys that we just have a feeling that they're never going to win the world championship that's where triple h has to add a mid-card belt because at least it would give those guys something to do meaningful again oh no strong guys that may never win the world championship would benefit greatly from holding a mid-card belt they would. People may not think that. It would. Again, even going back to the older days. You know how much benefits Tyler Breeze would have gotten if he was a mid-card champion? Ty Dillinger if he was a mid-card champion? Um, even a No Way Jose is a mid-card champion? Those guys would benefit greatly if they had a mid-card belt around their waist. But for some reason, Triple H has not gone that route yet. I still think he has to go that route. He may have no choice. But right now... It looks like they're nowhere close to introducing another belt for this brand, and that's a problem. Because, again, a lot of these guys are not going to win this belt, all right? They're not going to win the World Championship. A lot of these guys are not going to win. And I think if they're not going to win that belt, the best they can do is to hold a mid-card belt. And that's not a problem. That's a good solution to have. Let them be a champion of some sort. So, again, great episode last night. The TakeOver Chicago card looks very, very fascinating. 
Uh, right now, four matches are locked in. Four of them title matches. Rude versus Atami for the World Championship should be awesome. Uh, triple threat match, of course, between Asuka, Nikki Cross, and Ruby Riot. No Ember Moon, unfortunately, because she's hurt. That should be a fun match. L ladder match with the tag team titles between Authors of Pain and DIY. That's going to be an awesome match. And how about this? The United Kingdom Championship is also going to be on the line. Cannot wait for this. Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne. That, to me, could be match of the night. If they give those two guys enough time, they will steal the show. I'm telling you that right now. Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate have chemistry. If you did not see their match in the UK Finals that crowned the UK Championship for the WWE, highly advise you to check that match out. It was outstanding. And this match could also be pretty, pretty big. But again, it comes down to duration. It comes down to time. Will they get enough time to showcase a stellar match? We'll see what happens. But still, to see the UK title being defended on a takeover, that's freaking awesome. And that makes this card, this show, even more intriguing. So again, Raw and SmackDown as of late have not done good work. But NXT, man, they continue to nail it. Great show after great show. And their takeover Chicago show next Saturday should be really, really special. Yeah, definitely. It looks like a great takeover card, like you said. I mean, uh, just awesome matches all across the board. Shocking, of course, because, you know, these takeovers always seem to deliver. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. But like you said, man, I mean, not everybody who's in NXT is going to win the NXT championship. I mean, it's just a proven fact. And I actually forgot about guys like Cassius Ono, who basically have done nothing since they came back. I mean, came in red hot, uh, came right in, you know, thought he was going to become the number one contender, loses a match clean, and he, he just just gets demoted back down to nothing. And right when you think there's actually hope this time, you know, they bring Cassius Ono back around for a second time around. You think they finally got big plans for this guy. And what is he doing now? He's doing nothing. I mean, really, I mean, Hideo Itami leapfrogged him. And yes, I know Hideo Itami has been there longer, but let's be honest. I mean, Hideo Itami's been hurt. He's been, you know, just pushed far down the ladder. He's been literally in the background. And the fact that he just came, he just came back and leapfrogged Cassius Ono for a title shot, to me, just doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. I don't know what they're going to do with Cassius Ono moving forward. Guys like Roderick Strong moving forward. Like you said, they need to add a belt. They need to add a mid-card belt, uh, you know, so it gives something for these guys to do. I mean, really, it's a simple solution, and I'm actually shocked that Triple H has yet to do it because it makes sense as well because you have five matches on a takeover card, so you easily have every belt on the line. You have the world title, you have the tag titles, the women's title, you have that mid-card belt, and you have one showcasing match where it's just a grudge match, one-on-one, -on -one. No, no you know, belt on the line. There you go, plain and simple. There's your takeover cards. So to me, it makes no sense. Uh, I mean, if Triple H hasn't done it by now, I don't even know if there's any plans to do it. But, I mean, it's just sad seeing some of these guys not getting the shot. And, again, like you said, Brian, we know for a fact that some of these guys aren't going to become NXT champions because you have guys like Drew McIntyre who are coming in. He's obviously a big, huge name. I, I think they're going to throw the belt right on this guy uh, at TakeOver Brooklyn. And uh, you know what? I really hope that's not the case because guys like Alistair Black, guys like Cassius Ono, guys like Roderick Strong deserve it way more. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, you can't, you can't really say anything bad about NXT besides that because they've just been killing it. And like you said, this TakeOver card next weekend looks like it's going to be very, very special. 
Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to it again. Uh, Tyler Bate versus uh, Pete Dunne was made official uh, because uh, this past weekend WWE uh, filmed uh, the ta- the, ta- the TV tapings for the upcoming UK show. Um, I- I've made my point about this before. I'm not all that interested in this UK show for the simple reason that I just think guys like Pete Dunne and Trent Seven and Tyler Bate and Mark Andrews could be utilized in better situations than on their own show. I- I'd rather see Pete Dunne go to NXT and challenge for the NXT Championship than to be on his own show. Mark Andrews, the way he wrestles, would be perfect for 205 Live. He really could. He's that good. Uh, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, they're a very good tag team. Mustache Mountain, one of the best tag teams in the world today. I would love to see those two guys on NXT fighting for the tag team belts. And let's be honest, NXT could use Mustache Mountain with the way their tag team division has gone. There is no depth there. It's Authors of Pain, it's DIY, and it's Heavy Machinery, and that's it. I mean, they're rolling out other tag teams like Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss. Uh, the Ely Brothers are a part of this division as well, but they're just not good enough. And I definitely think if you add a mustache mount to the tag team title scene, they will be intriguing. And I just, again, when you look at this UK show, what's the big payoff? I mean, what are these guys going to be realistically doing? If it's just going to be like 205 Live, then it's just not going to be that good to me. Because I know these guys deserve a whole lot better. You know, Pete Dunne is so freaking talented that him on his own show is holding him back from doing other great things. Like like I said, who wouldn't want to see Pete Dunne go to NXT and face a Bobby Roode? And face a A A-Lister Black? You know, face Drew McIntyre for the NXT Championship? I want to see that. Who wouldn't want to see Mustache Mountain chase the tag team belts? Who wouldn't want to see Mark Andrews be a part of the Cruiserweight division? Those were those, those places are where these guys should be, not on their own show. And let's be honest, there's just not enough talent to hold a UK show every single week. I mean, the, the recent TV tapings, they had to bring in some of the 205 Live ro- roster members. I read that, you know, TJ Perkins was there, Rich Swan was there. Tony Nese was there. They're not United Kingdom wrestlers. That just shows you how thin the roster is. Now, yes, they have Wolfgang. They have Joseph Connors. They have James Drake. They have Jordan Devlin, which is fine. But they're going to have to add more talent if they want to go with the show every single week. And that's why I think uh, a couple days ago, they held tryouts. WWE did for, for UK talents. Guys like BT Gunn were there. Martin Kirby. Uh, Chris Brooks, Travis Banks, uh, Jaron Simmons, uh, some big names from the UK took part in the tryouts. So it, that probably tells us that those specific talents are going to be a part of this UK show, which is fine, I guess. But again, I'm just not a fan of it because a lot of these guys that are, that are going to be part of the show deserve better, especially Pete Dunne. All right? I'm a big supporter of Pete Dunne. I think this guy is going to be the future of wrestling. He's that freaking good. He's so good in the ring. He's so good on the microphone. His Bruiserweight character is outstanding. Him stuck on the UK show, just fighting for the UK title, that's not good enough. This guy deserves to do so much better than that. And and the same goes for other guys. You know, Mustache Mountain is a great tag team. Would love to see those two guys fight for the NXT Tag Team titles one day. To, let's go even further. To fight for the Raw Tag Team titles. To fight for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Mark Andrews should be fighting for the Cruiserweight title. Not stuck on his own show. Not a fan of it. Again, let's see. Maybe I'm 
maybe I'll be uh, maybe I'll be surprised because we found out that Jim Ross and Nigel McGuinness are going to be the commentators for the show. That's awesome. JR and Nigel together, that's pretty freaking sick. But even with those two guys commentating the show, I'm still not going to be all that interested because I know in the very end, these talents that are going to be part of this show deserve a whole lot better. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not sure when the first show will be broadcasted. I suppose by June or July, we're going to see the UK show aired on the WWE Network. And I'm hoping it's good. I'm hoping it's very good. But I know in the very end, when you look at talents like Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, Mark Andrews, Trent Seven, even a Wolfgang and a Joseph Connors, those guys deserve better. They're better than have than to have their own show. Those guys should be fighting for big titles on Raw, on SmackDown, and especially NXT. These guys should be in NXT, not have their own show. Pete Dunne should be fighting for NXT Championship, not for a UK title. It just doesn't make that sense to me. So again, they filmed the UK show this past weekend. We'll see what happens. I read some of the spoilers. I don't remember it. So it should be okay, I guess, with Jim Ross and Nigel McGuinness commentating. It should be fun. But in the very end, these guys, these talents, deserve a whole lot better than to be stuck on their own show. Because Pete Dunne fighting for a UK title, that's holding him back. For him to do other big things like fight for the NXT Championship. That's just me. That's my personal opinion. Others may disagree. Others may think this is great for the UK talents. And I, you know, alright, maybe. But again, there are a lot of talents that are going to be on that show weekly that deserve to do other great stuff. Like wrestle in NXT. And that's not going to happen it looks like. And that's a shame. That is a damn shame. Because a lot of these guys deserve a lot better than to be stuck on their own show but again maybe i'm wrong maybe the show is very very good but we won't know for sure until the show finally airs on the wwe network yeah i mean uh they started filming for this and it's very confusing to me i mean really is to, i mean they they started filming for the show how much did they f- um oh that pete dunn and tyler Bate are fighting each other, right, for for the championship at TakeOver Chicago. So we already know that. So what did they tape? Like, like, why would we watch that later on in the next coming months when we already know that this match is going down? And, you know, just say this airs in July, right? We already know that we already knew that these two fought each other, like, months ago. So to me, this makes no sense. I, I don't understand how they're going to do this. I, I really don't. And it's not like you could be in the UK every single week. It's not like Triple H can go there every single week. He can't go there, you know, I, I guess it's going to be like full sale, how they do NXT tapings. Every, you know, couple of months or every couple of weeks, they go back and do more tapings. But man, what a giant headache for guys like Triple H who literally have to worry about running things for NXT at full sale, running things for a regular WWE main roster, and then he's got to go to the UK every now and then just, just for this. I mean, to me, it's ridiculous. It, it really is ridiculous. And I don't see it being successful. It's going to be like 205 Live. It's going to flop. I mean, you know, it, it was cool when, when they did the Cruiserweight Classic. But then they got carried away, and then they did 205 Live. It was cool when they did the United Kingdom Championship Tournament. But then they got carried away, and now we have our own show. They're going to do the women's tournament. I swear to God, if they have a women's show, it's going to be even more of a problem. I can't, they're trying to do too much, and Triple H is great for what he's doing. 
He's bringing a lot of cool stuff to the WWE lately, a lot of cool stuff to the WWE Network. It's awesome seeing some of these guys competing under the bright lights of the WWE. But at this point, I feel like they're trying to do too much. And again, I get it. It's the WWE Network. They're still trying to get subscribers. It still mind boggles my mind why they're still trying to you know, scratch and claw for every single subscriber that they could possibly get. I mean, I think at this point, most people are subscribed to the freaking network. But, uh, you know, they'll never stop trying to get more people to subscribe. I, I guess this is their way of doing that is by having all this content. And the more content, the better, I guess they feel. But to me, I feel like the more content, the worse. Because it's just going to get worse and worse. I feel like the UK Championship Tournament was so special, but now they're going to ruin it because now they have this UK show that we're going to have to see. They ru- they ruined the Cruiserweight Classic. I mean, they can't have another Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, again, Like like that's why this summer they're doing a women's tournament because they're not going to have the Cruiserweight Classic Round 2 because they already have 205 Live for that. So if they're going to sign any Cruiserweights or bring any in, they'll just go right to the 205 Live show. So to me, they're trying to do too much, and I don't see it being successful. So it's very confusing, and like you said, who knows when it's going to air. I mean, I don't know any of the details on this, but, man, it is just so confusing. And like I said, they got to stop trying to do a little bit too much because they're ruining certain things. Now, we have some news to break here. It was actually broken yesterday, but I actually didn't read this because I was uh, over in D.C. Uh, yesterday. Uh, the women's tournament regarding the summer um, – the, the TV tapings for the women's tournament is actually going to take place for two days. Uh, the 13th and the 14th of July is when they're going to tape the women's tournament. And I think I read this. I'm not sure if I'm right. Uh, that all the episodes, which are going to be about 8 to 10 episodes, are going to be available on the network the, the very first day. Like all the episodes, not like week by week. I'm hearing all the episodes are going to be available one day. To, for us to watch, of course, uh, it's not going to be available like you know how they did with, with the with the Cruiserweight Classic, where we have to wait week by week to wait for the next episode. No, every single episode will be available on the very first day. I'm not sure if that's right. Maybe I read that wrong, but that's what I read. In terms of who is commentating the women's tournament, all signs point it's going to be Jim Ross and Corey Graves. Absolutely love that. Those are the two best people to commentate this tournament. We saw the success that Ronaldo and Daniel Bryan had last year doing the uh, Cruiserweight Classic. Jim Ross and Corey Graves to me is like a dream tandem. Jim Ross is without a doubt the greatest commentator in the history of wrestling. And Corey Graves could be the next great one. The past with the future. Awesome stuff there. Looking forward to that. And that will be happening over the summer, of course. We still don't know for sure, though, who will be a part of this tournament. We should find out about that pretty soon. Uh, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar is scheduled to be at SummerSlam uh, if Strowman can't go at Great Balls of Fire, which right now looks like it's not going to happen. So we may be getting our wish. Braun versus Brock at SummerSlam. That should be pretty cool to see. Uh, and Aylister Black may not be in NXT long enough, as I'm hearing rumors that the WWE officials are very, very high on Aylister Black, that they may want to bring this guy up to the main roster very, very soon. Not sure if I agree with that. I would keep Aylister Black down in NXT for about a year and a half. Let it, let him get his feet wet. Give him a title reign before he comes to the main roster. What would he do in the main roster? I'm not sure. I'm hearing rumors he may be part of 205 Live. I'm not thrilled about that. Aylister Black is is too good to be part of 205 Live. Hopefully they don't roll with that. But some big news going on right there regarding the women's tournament and the possible future for Aylister Black. Some big things going on. Uh, Ryan, your quick thoughts about that. Yeah, well, as far as the, the women's tournament uh, you know, goes, like you said, they're releasing all the episodes 
Uh, you know, apparently, I mean, I think because last year I think the Cruiserweight dragged out a little bit too much. Uh, you know, again, if they release them all at once, I think people could catch up on it, and then they could do what they did, you know, for the Cruiserweight Classic, like they could do the live shows and have like you know the Final Four or whatever, and then have you know the, the everything just be live from there. I think that's actually a good way to do it because I don't know how many people are actually going to sit there every single week and watch each round go by of a women's tournament. I think, again, you just release it all at once. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Um, like you said, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, we talked about it. SummerSlam headliner right there. Easily, you know, that should be the biggest match right there. That's what should main event the, the second biggest show of the year. So uh, I hope that happens. And A-Lister Black going up to the main roster. It's good to see that officials are high on him, but again, if they rush him, it could really So, uh, yeah, I agree. Keep him down in NXT. Let him get his feet wet. He's more interesting there anyways. Uh, he'll get to do more, have better matches. Uh, we can still see his cool entrance. And I just feel like, you know, again, they rush him. It's just not going to be a good look for him. So it's good to see they're high on him, but, uh, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't rush him up there too soon. They're also pretty high, too, on Roderick Strong. We've heard, we've known about that. They think that uh, this whole little vignette thing they did with him about his story will be some good things ahead for Roderick Strong, so that's good to hear. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on within the WWE about the future. You know, I'm excited about Jim Ross and Corey Graves um, hosting this tournament. Those two guys are going to be great for them. Uh, and again, you know, Braun versus Bronco SummerSlam, like that. Hopefully they stick with that, and we'll see what happens as well with Alias to Black in his future with the NXT brand. We have a couple minutes left in the show. We'll make our quick picks on um, both the War of the Worlds Tour and um, the uh, upcoming Best of the Super Juniors Tournament. Uh, we're not going to fully break down each match in the Best of the Super Junior Tournament. We're just going to pick our winner. It, it's tough. It really is tough to think who's going to win this year. The one thing I do believe that will not happen is that we're not going to see a repeat winner. Uh, so, which means that Ricochet, Will Ospreay, uh, Jushin Liger are not going to win. I don't see that happening. And I don't see Hiromu Takahashi, the champion, winning this tournament either. I personally don't understand why he's in this tournament. I think whoever wins this tournament should be given a title opportunity. Not at the immediate next pay-per-view, but at some point down the road. I mean, Takahashi involved in the tournament, it just you know, he's wasting a spot away from somebody else that should be in this tournament. Even though, yes, I mean, Takahashi... In this tournament, wrestling some big names should be pretty freaking awesome. But still, though, he's a champion. I don't think the champion should be in this tournament. So I'm not – I don't agree with that. In terms of who I think is going to win this tournament, again, it's a toss-up. Do I see Marty Skrull winning this tournament? I don't think so. Would it surprise me a little bit? I don't think he's going to come in, debut in Japan, and become the best of the Super Juniors tournament winner. I don't see that. So I'm going to give you a surprise, Ryan. I'm going to pick Bushi. I'm going to pick Bushi to win because they can go with a storyline here where Bushi wins the tournament and then challenges Takahashi for that championship. Both guys are in LIJ. They're both members of Los Inglenables de Japón where they can begin a story where the group is starting to descend from each other. There's, you know, there's frustrations in the group. They're not getting along with each other. That would be an intriguing storyline. Will they roll with it? I'm not so sure. They don't do that quite often in New Japan Pro Wrestling, where members of the fa uh, uh, members of the same faction fight with each other. I mean, we've seen that with already Bullet Club with Kenny Omega and Adam Cole, but that's pretty much it. I mean, we, we've not seen that with Chaos. We've not seen that with Suzuki Gun, and I don't think we're gonna see. We may not see that with Lij, but I think if you want to make an interesting storyline. Have Bushi win this tournament and go right after Takahashi. Have two members of the same faction fight 
for a championship. That would be pretty interesting stuff, but it's a toss-up. It's very tough to predict. I'm going to go on a limb, though. I think Bushi surprises us all, and he wins this tournament, and then he faces Takahashi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and I think that could be the beginning of the fall of LIJ. It may not happen, but man, would that be interesting? It absolutely would be, so I'm going to pick Bushi to win the best of the Super Juniors tournament. Yeah, I mean, interesting pick right there. I'd definitely be intrigued to see what happens there if that actually does happen. Uh, New Japan's, you know, again, they're known for being predictable, uh, unpredictable. So this really, I mean, looking at this, it's just, it's unbelievably hard to pick here. Um, you know, two names stand out to me, though. And again, you know, I know, you know, it's tough because I don't, at the same time, I can't see this happening, but I just have an itch. And we saw, you know, Kushida returned, uh, at, you know, the last event at Dantaku and, uh, you know, picked up right where he left off, basically, uh, you know, going after Takahashi. And you can kind of see that Kushida wants his rematch for that championship. Uh, you know, at Dominion, you know, it's coming up, that, that event, there's a lot of rematches on that show. There's, there's Kenny Omega, there's Okada, there's, you know, a bunch of different things. There's Kanahashi and Naito. I just have a feeling that they're going to repeat this and have Kushida win again. And he's going to challenge Takahashi at Dominion. Again, it would be a repeat because Kushida just won like three years ago. He was supposed to be the Super Juniors champion. I just have a feeling looking at this you know, bracket right now, that both, both blocks, it's so hard to predict. But I can't really see anybody else. Uh, the only other guy that stands out to me is Dragon Lee. And, I mean, I, those two guys, him and Hiromu Takahashi, got a lot of history together. But I just don't know if they'd make a Mexican luchador like that go on and win the best of the Super Juniors tournament. I feel like we're going to have at least a guy who is New Japan, basically. That's why I don't think Marty Skrull is going to win either. But I'm going to go with Kushida. Do I want to see it? No. But I just have a feeling they're going to pick up right where they left off and have this feud continue so Kushida can get his title shot back again. And I think he's going to become the champion. But, boy, I can't wait for this tournament to begin. Yeah, it's going to be very fun, man. Some great matches, some great competitors that are in this tournament. One guy that is not, though, is Zack Sabre Jr. A lot of people were wondering why he's not in the tournament. I'm hearing rumors that they are building Zack Sabre Jr. as a heavyweight competitor. So maybe down the line, we see Zack Sabre Jr. versus Okada versus Omega versus Naito versus Tanahashi. That would be some interesting stuff. That's why Sabre Jr. is not in this tournament because we all thought when New Japan brought over Zack Sabre Jr. that he was going to be part of the Super Juniors and fight for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Not the case, though. I'm hearing that they have bigger plans for Zack. So that would be interesting to see. What Zach's going to do next when he goes back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And of course, guys, tomorrow night, live on pay-per-view, it is the War of the Worlds pay-per-view. The dual pay-per-view for Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Night 3, tomorrow night in New York City at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Myself and Ryan, the Royal Rumble Boys, are going to be there. We're going to be in attendance for the show, and it is a tremendous card. Let's go through it. We'll pick our, uh, we'll make our predictions right now. Uh, start off with a Fatal 4 match, just a random match put together. Uh, Bobby Fish, Dalton Castle, Kushida, and Silas Young will be facing each other. This will be, I think, one of one of Bobby Fish's last matches as he is um, scheduled to be leaving Ring of Honor, of course. So is Dalton Castle, possibly. Uh, so, I mean, this is a shits and giggles pick. We don't know who's going to win this match. So I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to pick Kushida. He's, he's coming over from Japan, of course. We see a lot of times where the New Japan stars go over the Ring of Honor stars when they when they hit the States. So should be a good solid match, I guess. But uh, give me uh, Kushida to knock off Fish, Castle, and Silas Young. 
Yeah, it's a tough pick here. Again, could go either way. I'm just going to go out on a limb pick Silas Young. Why? I have no idea. This guy wins matches when I don't really think he would. Uh, it just happens every now and then. Again, random match thrown together. No meaning to it, but I'm going to go with Silas Young. All right, next matchup is a normal singles match. Uh, Frankie Kazarian versus Bullet Club member Adam Hangman Page. Should be a solid match here. Two uh, wily old veterans facing each other, but... Uh, Give me uh, Hangman Page for the win. I, I, I like I like Adam Page a lot. I think he's going to be a part of the future for Ring of Honor. Uh, he's, I think he's going to get a big role now in Bullet Club with Adam Cole possibly leaving. We're going to see more from uh, Page in the Bullet Club. So should be a solid match between these two guys. But give me uh, Adam Hangman Page for the win. Yeah, again, uh, you know, grudge match here between these two guys. Get to toss up again. He can go either way. Ring of Honor is just as predictable, unpredictable as New Japan is. I'm going to go Frankie Kazarian, though. Again, he's been in the headlines as of late. You know, obviously going to, from Bullet Club, you know, back to being on Daniel's side. I think this guy, you know, is in line for something big. I mean, he did win a, a TV title shot recently. I don't know if he got it. I mean, this Ring of Honor usually puts that on live events or whatever. But uh, I just feel like with the way things have been going lately for Frankie Kazarian, I think he picks up the win here and keeps the momentum going. All right, next match is a three-way tag team match. Uh, Los Inglunables de Hopal members Evil and Sonata versus Chris Sabin and Jonathan Gresham. They call themselves Search and Destroy. And versus War Machine, Hanson and Rowe. Give me Hanson and Rowe. War Machine is one of the hottest tag teams right now in the business. They're the current heavyweight tag team champions in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They have been on such a roll as of late. Uh, L.I.J. can win this match as well. Evil and Sonata are very underrated talents. But give me uh, War Machine to pick up the win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Hanson and Rowe, uh, two of the best you know, Ring of Honor has. Again, a match that could go either way. I can see any of these teams winning, but I'm going to go with the easy pick here and pick War Machine as well. Our next match is another singles match uh, between two towns from uh, the United Kingdom. Will Ospreay versus uh, Jay White. Very solid match here, but give me the aerial assassin. Will Ospreay, I think, should be getting some bigger uh, opportunities now in Ring of Honor. Ever since losing the TV belt, uh, Ospreay hasn't really done anything significant with Ring of Honor. He's been doing a lot more stuff on the independents, but Ospreay's back with Ring of Honor. He should be doing some more big stuff with the company. Him versus White should be a solid match, but give me Ospreay for the win. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's, it's awesome to see Jay White getting a big-time match like this. Definitely deserves it, but got to go with the aerial and Will Ospreay. Like you said, big, more bigger things have to be coming his way in Ring of Honor, so I think he picks up the win in an awesome match. All right, first title match. Six-man tag team match for the Ring of Honor six-man tag team titles. The current champions, Bully Ray and the Briscoes, will defend the belts against Chaos members Hiroki Goto and Rapungi Vice. Easy pick here. Give me... Bully Ray and the Briscoes. Again, Chaos is a New Japan faction. I don't see them holding Ring of Honor titles. They'll probably be fighting for the six-man tag team belts in New Japan. They have a better shot winning those belts than the Ring of Honor belts. So give me Bully Ray and the Briscoes to retain. Yeah, I think so as well. Again, Hiroki Goto and Rapunzel Vice are not bringing the Ring of Honor six tag team titles back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I think it's going to be a good match, but I think Bully Ray and the Briscoes retain. Next matchup is for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Titles, and this is my pick for match of the night. The Young Bucks, the current champions, will defend their belts against LIJ members Tetsuya Naito and Bushi. I'm interested in this match. I am very curious to see 
the interaction between the Bucks and Naito, that is going to be something interesting. It's going to be something pretty cool. I don't think the Bucks and Naito have ever gone into the ring together. If they have, maybe some big 10-man tag team match. But this is a normal tag team match. It's for the tag team belts. This is going to be a fun one, but easy pick here. The Bucks retain. They just got the belts back from the Hardy Boys. They're not dropping these belts anytime soon. But this is my pick for match of the night. I really believe this is going to be a stellar matchup. Give me the Bucks to beat Naito and Bushi. Yes, looking forward to the most as well, because like you said, I mean, we really haven't seen an interaction between Naito and the Bucks. I don't think they ever have, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Bucks, you know, they're in Japan every now and then, big time shows. So they never really get a chance to be in a ring and interact together, so that's a must-see right there. Uh, I think the Bucks will retain, and I think this will be the match of the night by far. All right, moving on to a singles matchup, and this could be... The final match in the career of Adam Cole with Ring of Honor. He's facing off against one of the guys he's been wanting to face for a long time in a dream match. He's made that public, and that is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Maybe an emotional moment because, I mean, I think Adam Cole is going to win number one. I think he's going to beat Tanahashi. I think that's the right way to go. I mean, Cole's last match at Ring of Honor should be a win, not a loss. That would not be right to Cole. And after the match is over, I would be, I'm going to be very curious to see what Cole's going to do. Is he going to say something? Is he going to thank the fans for the incredible run he had in Ring of Honor? I'm not sure what's going to happen, but it's going to be emotional because we all know the time is coming to an end for Adam Cole in Ring of Honor. His days are coming to an end. He knows that he has a new challenge waiting for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen after the match. I'm looking forward to the match itself. Tanahashi versus Cole should be very, very fun, but... When that match is over, I'm interested to see what Cole's going to say, what he's going to do. Something has to happen. They're going to have to write this guy off some some way. But uh, should be a fun match. But give me Adam Cole to win in what will probably be his final match in Ring of Honor. Yeah, if, if Adam Cole is facing new, not new Japan, if he was facing a Ring of Honor guy, I would say that you know that talent over. The fact that he's facing Hiroshi Tanahashi, I think he's got to go out on top with a win. Again, it's the right way to go out of Ring of Honor. And I am interested to see what happens. I mean, again, it's going to be interesting to see if he does get on the mic. Because like you said, Brian, you can't just write him off. I mean, you can't just, like, disappear and never show up again. So this is probably his last pay-per-view. It'll be interesting to see what happens post-match. But if it's not the main event, I have a tough time seeing uh, anything happen as a result. So maybe on a live event or a Ring of Honor TV you know, taping or something. Maybe he says his goodbyes, but be interesting to see what happens. But I do think he picks up the win in his last match. All right, two, all right, two more matches to go. Ring of Honor television title on the line. Marty Skrull versus the returning Matt Seidel. I'm not sure the last time Seidel actually wrestled in Ring of Honor. It's been quite a while. Seidel's been doing a lot more stuff now in PWG, and he, of course, recently signed with TNA. But he is back facing Marty Skrull for the Ring of Honor television championship. Easy pick here. Give me... Um, uh, Marty Skrull for the win. Again, I just think Marty Skrull is going to be the champion for a long time. Uh, he's been on such a rolls of laying Ring of Honor as a champion. He just continues to win and win and win. Why, why, why stop that? Doesn't make no sense. Don't stop it. Keep it going with this guy. I'm not sure who will beat Skrull for the belt. I will be interested to see when he's going to lose that belt. But to me, it's not going to be against um, Matt Seidel. So give me Marty Skrull for the win. Yeah, Marty Skrull will retain I'm telling you, I don't see Marty Skrull dropping this belt uh, until he actually gets, you know, uh, a challenger that I think, you know, is capable of that. Because, you know, I think this is going to be a tremendous match. I think Matt Zydell is a great talent to go up against him. But, again, this guy is a returning talent. I mean, when the heck, 
you know, we haven't seen Matt Seidel around Ring of Honor in quite some time. So it seems very random that he's getting his title shot. So just, you know, for that sake alone. And he's done some work on Impact Wrestling lately as well. So he's not signed to Ring of Honor. I think Morty Skrull retains. And finally, in the main event for the Ring of Honor World Championship, it is a triple threat match. The current champion, Christopher Daniels, will defend the belt against both Cody Rhodes and Jay Lethal. I want to pick Cody. I really, really want to pick Cody. But I think if he does become Ring of Honor champion, he's going to do it in a singles match with Christopher Daniels, not in a triple threat match. So give me Daniels to win this match. And don't forget, Daniels has been champion now for a good couple of months. I think he's going to get a longer reign uh, than what we think he could. But Jay Lethal, to me, will not be champion. I think Jay Lethal's had his days as champion. I think he's never going to win that belt again. Cody Rhodes, to me, will be champion one day. I fully believe that he will be Ring of Honor champion. But I think it, it's better serve for him to win the belt one-on-one with Daniels and to win the belt in a triple threat match. I think that makes more sense for him to take the belt away from Daniels in a singles match than it would be in a triple threat match. So should be an exciting match tomorrow to, 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 to end the show. But to me, Christopher Daniels retains. But at some point in the future, I do believe Cody Rhodes will be Ring of Honor World Champion. Not right now, though. Daniels retains and is still the champion after tomorrow. Yeah, you know, look, Cody Rhodes is not signed to Ring of Honor. New experiences there. And out of every wrestling company he's fought for since leaving WWE, Ring of Honor looks like it is his home because he does the most work there and works the most dates for them. But he has not signed a Ring of Honor contract. I mean, not that I'm aware of. I haven't seen it on the dirt sheets or anywhere. And for that reason alone, I don't think he wins the title. Until he signs with Ring of Honor and puts all his priorities into Ring of Honor, he, he, he's not going to become the champion. Because you don't see Christopher Daniels walking around every other independent wrestling company all over the world like Cody Rhodes is doing right now. I, I just don't think that can happen. So for that reason alone, I don't think Cody Rhodes will become the champion. I don't think Jay Lethal is going to become the champion either. So I think Daniels will retain. But boy, this is some main event, let me tell you. I think it's going to be an awesome match to see. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it as well, but I don't see a title change here. I think Daniels holds on to it for the time being. Yeah, and again, it's going to be an awesome title match. It's going to be an awesome show, man, and I cannot wait to be there live at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. It is Ring of Honor slash New Japan Pro Wrestling's War of the Worlds Tour. This is night three of the tour. Uh, of course, it's a night four, but I think that's for TV tapings, not a big event. So, um, yes, it should be an awesome, awesome show. Cannot wait to be there tomorrow, guys, if you want to see us. You know, again, guys, you know, come on down and see us. Should be a fun show. And again, should be some good stuff tomorrow night. Also, this weekend, Saturday, CZW, Combat Zone Wrestling has a big show going on. Uh, Leo Rush is challenging Joe Gacy for the uh, CZW World Championship. Zack Saber Jr. takes on David Starr. Should be an awesome match between those two guys. Uh, Joey Janela, the bad boy, takes on Matt Tremont. And some big stuff with Leo Rush, guys. Again, like I mentioned early in the show. Uh, give our boys from the Sunday Shoot a follow at TSS Wrestling on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. They recently just interviewed Leo Rush. That will be broadcasted Saturday. I'm not sure what time. They'll let you know. But yes, they just did interview Leo Rush. He is one of the hottest, if not the hottest, independent wrestler in the world today. And he has a big match on Saturday versus uh, Matt, excuse me, uh, Joe Gacy for the CZW Championship. I'm looking forward to listening to that interview. You guys should too. So there you have it, people. If you want to follow us on social media, again, follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And follow us on the Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Um, again, guys, if you also want to follow us personally, 
I'm at B underscore Cynic95 on Twitter. Ryan's at Ryan underscore Martirano. If you happen to miss us live on itsyourradio.com, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes and on Stitcher. We are on those two stations, those two uh, internet websites uh, for our shows, the podcast version. So please check us out on those two uh, websites. And that's all the time we got, people. We'll be back next Thursday. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern here, itsyourradio.com. We're going to have a lot to talk about next week, recapping what went down at War of the Worlds uh, tomorrow night. Also, of course, weekly recap of Raw, SmackDown Live, NXT. And next week as well, predictions for TakeOver Chicago and Backlash, which happens next weekend. So big show next week. Hopefully you guys tune in. Check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. That's all the time we got. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Moderano. This has been the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. For those who are going to the World of War shows tomorrow, we'll see you guys there. And again, guys, next week, we're back here. Same time, same channel. It's your radio.com. I'm Brian. He's Ryan.